gozaimasu. It's Zach Langley-Chichi. I'm so popular. I'm here with not one, but two very special guests this morning. Who are you? I am Peter Anderson. Hi, Peter. Hi, Zach. <laughs> and I am uh, Matt Robinson. Hi, Matt Robinson. What are you two doing? Uh, right now, I am living in San Diego, and I'm hopefully moving to Portland soon. Love it. Uh, I'm living in Portland and hopefully not moving to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good and, idea. Um, but I'm hoping, but I'm hoping Peter moves to Portland. Yeah. Hurry up, Peter. That's the plan. So um, my most important question is why are we friends? I think all of us met through uh, our fraternity. That's correct. Yeah. in the uh, amazing summer of 2016 where we sat in Peter's apartment with uh, Cole Gary, who I'm sure is, you know, who knows if you'll ever listen to this. Shout but, out to uh, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Cole. <laughs> it's the best summer uh, in Eugene. Yeah. So I guess we, <laughs> uh, the first time I ever interacted with Matt was at a horrible, um, like, pledge event when you had just <laughs> initiated, into, or not initiated, when you had just joined the house. And <laughs> they said, okay, new pledges, get a phone number from a member. And I distinctly remember not wanting to do it. And then I saw you also not wanting <laughs> yeah, to do I just it. Wa- I just walked up to you and I was like, uh, here's my phone number. Yeah, so I always had Matt's phone number. And then Peter, um, I always like was like, oh, he's cute. I want to be friends with him. So, But I never was able to break the mold really until that cursed until the summer. summer. Yeah. yeah. And just for... <laughs> reference that summer was truly disgusting that was the summer pokemon go came out oh god and it was oh, yeah i would go on my uh, pokemon go walks yeah nothing but debauchery and pokemon go and and mountain dew code red yeah and a room <laughs> with no furniture just one awful futhal that we had to sit on just truly disgusting and my car got vandalized yeah, and Pete's parking ticket got reduced. Oh, that was, a great summer. That was the summer that we had to go to California for the trial, right? Mm-hmm. Wairiga. Yeah. Went to Wairiga, <laughs> California on trial for Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had Dutch Bros, Taco Bell, and McDonald's. Yeah, the we trifecta. the trifecta. Yeah, the trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to explain Dutch Bros yesterday to some of my Japanese friends, because um, they don't really do that much, like, drive-up coffee here. Um, and then even Americans, like, they don't even have that, like, everywhere, you know? Like, they have, like, the drive through Starbucks or whatever, but they don't have those franchises, like Dutch Bros. Um, and I had to explain a Rebel and a Bucket of Chai. Bucket of Chai. Truly the worst business on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, Rebel's, uh, truly the worst, worst drink ever. Do you still go? <laughs> I do occasionally still go. Yeah, Peter, one, you have like, no choice. minutes from our house. Peter, what's your local coffee chain now? I go to the Mashuga Shack. The what? The Mashuga Shack. It's what just the fuck is that? Bob's been there. Uh, it's just a local coffee spot. The Mashuga Shack. It's just a. It's a really kitschy little corner shack, and they have lots of like Jesus-themed things, but not like in a religious way. Okay. Like I love it. I, I decided yeah. to, to stand, what is it called, McShakey Shack Shook? The, the Meshuggah Shack. So, the reason I brought both of you on today instead of just one of you is because we have all played what I think is the most important game of the 21st century, The Last of Us Part 2. That's a bold claim. I think I'm not wrong, though, right? 
I don't know. You've never played Madden 05 <laughs> with Ray Lewis on the cover. Okay, so I will exclude sports <laughs> games. Um, perhaps a sports game is more popular, but I uh, do not know. So in my experience, The Last of Us Part Two is the most important video game of the 21st century thus far. And perhaps the most polarizing. It's definitely polarizing. Yes. Definitely the most controversial. I don't think that a game has been this divisive in my memory. Like... There's been games that have, like, abjectly failed, like uh, Fallout 76 or whatever. Like, there's been flops, but there's never been, like, a triple-A gay that is... Oh, ooh, I just said triple-A gay. A triple-A game. <laughs> a triple-A game that is, like, objectively well-made, but also so divisive, right? Yeah, I can't really think of another one. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you guys have definitely played more video games than me, I think. Uh, especially, like, this genre, but... Yeah. No, I, I can't think of anything either. It's, it's I don't think of anything like it. I know Pokemon Sword and Shield were pretty disappointing, but I haven't played. Yeah, and even still, those were, like, you know, pretty well enjoyed. And the Nintendo children got their joy from it. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of my listeners have no idea what The Last of Us is. It is um a video game. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic video game. It takes place after a fungal infection basically wipes out most of the population and it's about the survivors and their struggle like what like 12 or 15 years after the pandemic starts uh sounds i think it might be a little bit more than that somewhat right because i don't think i don't think any of the main characters you know like ellie i don't think she's lived without no she she's born after it yeah right so she's at least... Uh, I will say from this point on, there will be spoilers. Uh, this game really requires you to talk about, like, the the spoilers of it and, like, the story, story content. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that is just how it has to go. Uh, so if you don't care or you're not, like, a PlayStation owner or you don't play video games, I think you should still listen anyway because this game is, like, truly fascinating in so many ways. But, yeah, if you do plan on playing it, take a break. Come back and listen to this later. So, yeah, the story takes place uh, after the post-apocalypse is kind of yeah. set in. I looked up the uh, the timeline, if you're interested. I would love to hear. So, in 2013, the uh, fungus known as the Cordyceps uh, begins. Okay. And uh, I think 2033 is when the first one takes place. Okay. So and 20 years later. The first game's... Uh, the first game has you play as a smuggler named Joel, who uh, kind of gets wrapped up in a plan to move a young girl across the country from the East Coast to Colorado, where they believe that she is immune and can be studied to develop a vaccine for the virus. They're actually going to Utah. Yeah, Salt Lake City. Oh, you're right. So you're going it's to the place. It's the place, Zach. <laughs> might be <laughs> i just replayed this game like two months ago so i should be the one who remembers this <laughs> well they go to colorado yeah, i think they they're do. in colorado for a little bit jackson, no, jackson wyoming the, the end point. Uh, jackson's <laughs> in wyoming oh my god <laughs> you need a little you need to get better on your mountain west geography my continual like complete lack of knowledge about the midwest like, oh, continues to get me on the show. it's not even the midwest it's the intermountain west um, what the fuck is the Intermountain West? I've never heard of this before. Like Montana and Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico. Well, no one lives there. Uh, uh an entire <laughs> religion lives there. 
Uh, okay, so not the Midwest. Uh, moving on from that. Yeah, this smuggler who his daughter died um, at the very beginning of the pandemic. In his arms. Yeah. Uh, he, she was shot by some like National Guard type folks. It wasn't like a... It wasn't a zombie murder, and uh, he's very traumatized from that. And the first game kind of tracks your development of uh, Joel getting to know this character, Ellie, this um, character who is purportedly immune to the virus and could be a cure. He grows to become fond of her and kind of view her as a daughter and to deal with his own trauma uh, in that respect, which leads us to the end of the game where they finally take... Ellie to this organization called the Fireflies who think they can develop the vaccine. Peter, can you kind of like tell me what happens at the end of the game? Uh, yeah, so Joel is unconscious when they get rescued by the Fireflies and they're about to operate on Ellie. And the only way to potentially develop the cure is to examine her brain and that would result in Ellie dying. So Joel goes on a rampage mission throughout the hospital killing all involved until he eventually escapes with Ellie in his arms. Yes, thus crushing any hope of a cure, but also saving the life of Ellie. And I think that this is a really important moment in gaming history. Uh, this game came out like in what, like 2013, 2014? In 2013. I think it was, oh, was it was a 20, I thought it was earlier than that. It was like one of the, it was like one of the last games on PS3. And then I think the remaster may have been 2013 right. or 2014. Yeah, because yeah. I, I played the remaster game because it was... Um, Me as well. It, was, it came on... I think it just came on PS4. Yeah. So, basically, um, the moment is... A, I think it's a really important moment in gaming history because it shows... You have to make a, a choice in that moment to kill the innocent doctor and save Ellie. And there's no other way to progress the game. But it is a really horrible moment because... You know, you have a moral quandary in both the player and in Joel, and the game really forces you to feel that and like making you use the mechanics to actually like murder that doctor and save Ellie. Yeah. Press square to murder. Yeah. And the game ends basically with Ellie and uh, Joel kind of returning to a community that um, Joel's brother runs in the first game. And uh, Ellie, of course, like, wakes up after you know about to be operated on no idea what was going to happen to her and she said what happened she doesn't believe like joel's story that uh they just couldn't find a cure from her and uh the last shot of the first game is just a big flat frame of her face looking not so certain Mm -hmm. and that's where it cuts to black so uh where does part two begin is it four years later four it's four years later yeah, and back in Jackson, Wyoming, and in the heart of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, in the heart of the Midwest in Jackson. <laughs> I'm never going to hear the end of this, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> so basically, Ellie and Joel are living together in uh, this community. It's kind of a strained relationship between them, uh, because Ellie is definitely aware that something is not quite right, but um, at first she isn't sure what the actual situation is. So she has kind of a stressful relationship with Joel. Um, and when they're on some patrols, uh, actually, uh, they are... Oh, hi, hi, Kenzie. Hi, sorry. Hi. I'm getting, getting my food. <laughs> getting dinner. Hi, Diva. <laughs> okay, where was I? 
This is wild. What are you having for dinner, uh, Peter? Kinsey made some Cajun chicken with corn, uh, rice, and some other sides. Stun. Okay, where was I? Basically, while patrolling for these zombies outside of the community, um, Joel and his brother stumble across a group of travelers uh, from an organization set out in Washington called the Wolves, the Washington Liberation Front. Yeah. And um, long story short, they brutally murder Joel. After torturing him. Yeah, they torture him and brutally murder him with a golf club. And the first half of the game sees you playing as Ellie, um, basically tracking down these characters to exact her revenge in Seattle. I think it's important to mention that Ellie witnessed uh, Joel getting brutally murdered by the golf club. Yeah, and she pleads for his life um, to no avail. He gets fucked up uh, really violently. You see most of it. And yeah. I don't think I don't think I can think of anything in a video game that was ever I guess as graphically violent as that scene. That was and it was came out of nowhere too. Yeah, I think this is perhaps the most violent video game ever made. Yeah. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I mean like there's a lot of games that kind of like are more comical about it, but this game is not joking with the with the murder and death. Yeah, the graphics are a little too good for it to be uh it's a little unsettling at times. Very. So basically, Ellie goes to Seattle with um, her girlfriend, lover, Dina. Uh, you go to Seattle, and you go track down this woman named Abby who killed Joel. Um, and you basically tear your way through Seattle, murdering tons of people. On Shimmer. Yep. And you finally get to the point where you uh, are ready to give it in. Ellie has done so many disgusting, horrible acts of violence. She's killed a pregnant woman. Uh, she has brutally tortured people to find information that she wants. I mean, this character who started as quite innocent in the first game is now very corrupted and very upset, uh, very traumatized, and she just wants to go home. Uh, and there is Abby. She murders one of Ellie's friends, uh, and it cuts to black as she's pointing a gun at Ellie, and then you spend... Uh, the second portion of the game playing as Abby in her last three days uh, leading up to uh, the confrontation. Can you kind of tell me about her plot? Yeah, so Abby runs into, or there's kind of a whole war happening in Washington between the WLF and the Seraphites, which are a little religious fanatic group. A little religious cult, yeah. It's like the natural endpoint for the Republican Party. The natural endpoint of the Republican <laughs> Party. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah. they're the Seraphites are on an island off the coast of Seattle, and they are having a a turf war with the WLF. And Abby is known as the top Seraphite killer, and I don't know, she's really buff. She kicks ass. Yeah, she's she's a lethal murderer, but she's also very haunted because her father turns out to be the surgeon who you kill in the first game. Yeah, so that's why she murders Joel and how this whole cycle of violence kind of uh, continues. And uh, basically, as Abby, you come across uh, two... Sorry. You Seraphites? Scarf? Seraphites, thank you. Seraphites. Sorry, yeah. They're called Scar... They, the wolves call them Scars, and then ev- they call themselves Seraphites. Because they uh, they cut their faces like uh, like Keith Ledger's Joker. Right. 
so she comes across uh, two young scars or seraphites, what have you, um, and she has a crisis of moral and decides to protect these uh, two young children, one of whom is trans and is fleeing the um, the backwards cult society. because uh, he's being yeah he's being persecuted for his gender. Uh, it's I that is not something is is uh, interestingly enough for some reason that just like completely went over my head. Yeah, you I didn't guess, you didn't catch it. You know, I, I remember yeah Peter Peter told me about that. I it was probably like a couple weeks after. I'd finished the game and I have no idea how that just like completely went over my head. I guess I never really thought about why I think Lev. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I don't know why I didn't ever knew. Well, I was kind of waiting for it to be a bigger plot point and it never really gets like blown up like that. Right. Like, um, there's only really one brief cut scene where they address it and it's like a two minute dialogue where his sister yeah, mentions this it. transition character has like shaved his head and, um, then when you have to fight off some of the other Seraphites, they dead name the character. And, and that's kind of when you n- might be able to piece together that's the kind of uh, persecution that's going on there. Yeah, so anyway, she um, Abby works to protect these two kids. She has to go rescue them from um, the Seraphite Island where the wolves are leading a really violent assault on the population there. Um, and when she returns, she discovers uh, two of her very close friends and an ex-lover who she has a complicated relationship oh, with brutally slashed and murdered mm-hmm. on the floor. One of them is pregnant. They're all dead. Uh, and she knows that it's Ellie. She goes. I was going to go say, ahead. and Yara, the one of the Seraphites she was helping was brutally murdered on the, on, during the yeah, uh, a child who you yeah. watch get shot up on screen. Like brutally, a whole CGI animation to show that body just getting ripped apart. Yeah, it's like by a bad bullets. Vietnam movie. Absolutely. Um, and kind of the end of the game leads you to play as Abby, despite you know most of the players having the stronger connection at first to Ellie. Um, to kind of fight off Ellie. Uh, and it gets to a point where, uh, more violence is about to occur, and this former Seraphite Lev convinces Abby to leave it alone. Uh, and it feels like the game is about to end. Abby goes back. So Abby goes <laughs> to not. Abby goes to California. Ellie goes back home to start like kind of a new family with um her girlfriend Dina. Maybe JJ. Yes, but she is so traumatized that she can't get these images of Joel's death and the trauma that she experienced out of her head. Uh, she ultimately decides to go back again uh, and try to kill Abby, which uh, leads to a confrontation with kind of a very wild little militant organization called the Rattlers in California um, until you discover Abby. Or slave owners. Yeah, they're slave owners and they get, like, joy out of uh, turning... Yeah, the Rattlers were bizarre. I think it's yeah. interesting that that's, like, the first group you come across in the game whose sole, you know, they, it seems like their sole purpose is just have these slaves. And I think it's interesting that, like, that's the first... You know, you'd think there would be tons of groups like that. Oh, I guess you came across cannibals in the first game. Yeah, but the but cannibals yeah. are, you know, they're not really, like, I mean, they're awful, but they're not really shown to be, like, evil. They're just kind of, like, doing what they right. have to they're do. Surviving, but, the, yeah. but the Rattlers, they were, like, truly, I think, like, the worst. Like, they were way Yeah, they were kind of reveling scars. in it. Yeah, like, they're truly just, like, sadistic. And, you know, there's no redeeming qualities. And, like, you know, at least you, you think that, you know, as crazy as the Scars are, like, you know, in their own bizarre way they think that they're doing what's best for society but 
the the rattlers like there's just no way to to kind of get to them. yeah and the game like really like lets you know to hate them because they dress them all like um republicans in like northern california like in cargo shorts <laughs> and like ugly wife beaters and shit like the game like really aesthetically wants you to hate them too so it's like yeah it's like one of the first organizations you see in the whole franchise that is just like truly evil um and they have and it's the first time you get like an automatic gun which i think is just like crazy yeah like, that's the first time in the entire game you have an automatic gun yeah and using it feels disgusting it's just too easy there was a scene where they uh they were like torturing uh an infected yeah they yeah. get like For pressure no out of torturing yeah, the zombies just, and everything yeah. so even though it can't feel anything yeah um and basically this organization has taken abby and love prisoner uh, abby has tried to escape and so uh they have crucified her in the ocean for like that slow death by exposure that they used to do to christians in japan um and finally, Ellie wars her way back to uh, Abby, sets her free, and then after maybe deciding to let her go, goes at it one more time. And they have a horrifically brutal knife fight where basically Ellie is just slashing this poor girl to bits and ribbons. Uh, and right as she's drowning her and it's about to end, she lets her go. Um, she's lost two fingers in the fight. She can no longer play the guitar her relationship is over, and it ends with her walking away. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's that's it's a good synopsis, brief synopsis. Yeah, she, uh, she has a flashback of Joel talking about forgiveness as she's drowning Abby. That's right. And that is kind of what triggers her to to stop killing yeah because this game um employs flashbacks a lot to kind of piece together some of the character bits like we discovered that ellie learned about what happened with the the fireflies um we found out that she learned about that when she kind of went on her own and she had a confrontation with joel about it and only learned to forgive him like the night before he got fucked up mm -hmm. we learned that towards the end of the game so um, what do you think kind of like the general like themes of this game are? And I think that's a really interesting question to ask because when you play a video game, it's very unusual to be able to like reflect on like themes or like narrative ideas. But like, what do you mm -hmm. kind of think that the story is tr trying to communicate here? I think one of the more obvious ones is kind of revenge and that it's kind of a, an endless cycle that doesn't result in anything yeah positive for either party yeah the game is definitely about like kind of it's a vicious cycle it's definitely about violence and vengeance um and how this kind of like vindicative justice never leads to anything productive and i think it's very fascinating that a game is trying to make this point because literally basically since games started and like doom began like the first doom game games have been like really intrinsically like linked to like the pleasure and like the sensations of violence like shooters um i mean even like at the most basic level with like fortnite like the entire like pleasure spectrum of that game is like getting the kill and everything and this is the first game i've ever played that kind of interrogates that concept yeah you kind of question some of the kills that you're you're kind of forced to take I think it's interesting because after you have a chance to play as both Ellie and Abby, I think, you know, in that last sequence where you're in Santa Barbara, it's kind of like, uh, in a way, you're just like so exhausted from all of it. You, you know, it's like you don't really, you're not really rooting for one or the other anymore. You're just so like done with it. And it's, yeah, you're, kind of, you're ready for it to end. Yeah. And you can't, it's just, you know, in that last scene when you're, you're on the beach and, you know, they're having their like, you know, climactic 
final battle. It's just it's almost like you're just watching and disgust. Like I guess you're you're playing as Ellie, but you're just like so over it at that point. It's you just don't even really. I guess for me, it was like almost just didn't even care. I was like, this is just so ridiculous at this point. Yeah, well, for me, um, basically as soon as um Ellie decides to leave her house and go back out, I was like really horrified and furious because uh that last bit at the house like really seems to suggest to you that the game is about to end and the fact that it throws you in for like another three hours that some of the game is like most punishing and most violent um it really subverted my expectations and it really like nails in that point about like the complete purposelessness of all this violence and anger because like you said matt like that last fight when you just have to cut up abby who is like starving to death and has lost all of her weight she's had her hair cut up she looks like she's about to die she's, she's barely recognizable at that point which I yeah I, was, I didn't find her at it, was, first. it was yeah i'm just running around this beach of all these people tied up on these what did they what was the the term that they used for it they called it the um uh, the pole you know they called yeah. it the poles or something yeah yeah that was just like honestly probably one of the most bizarre things i've seen in a game and i don't know i was i was just like so I guess, like, sucked into that scene, just, you know, like, looking at everything around you, and it's just so, you know, yeah, like, like Peter said, I didn't even, I didn't even see Abby there, because she's just so, like, just malnourished. Done. Yeah, literally malnourished yeah. and starving to death, and, like, she's so done with it that at first she's like, I'm not going to fight you, and Ellie has to literally threaten the death of the Lev character in order to provoke her to, like, try to protect him. Right. Yeah. So, but at that point in the game, it has really worn on you, like the weight of this violence. Um, and I think a lot of criticisms I've read is that it's too heavy-handed on that point. But I don't really think you can be too heavy-handed with it. Like, I think that the game really creates like a physical sensation in you about like how evil and how purposeless like all of this violence is. <laughs> and I don't think it could do it successfully unless it really like hammered you with it. And I, I do feel like in a post-apocalyptic zombie wasteland like that it's going to be a kind of violent and and brutal world and they they have to represent that somehow it always and, stays true to its zombie game roots yes mm -hmm. endless violence and i think also like the game even though it is really obsessed with like the violence and making you feel all of it it also has like a lot of like really beautiful moments of like pensive joy and happiness like when you get to play the guitar as um as Ellie and you play like uh, "Take on Me" for Gina, I thought that moment was so touching and beautiful. Oh, I love that moment. I honestly I couldn't stand the guitar scenes. I just thought it was so ridiculous. Like it's just like you're strumming up or whatever on the right stick, and I was like, "This is so." Now you use the uh, the so, touchpad. The touchpad. Or is it the touchpad? I don't yeah. know. I just thought the whole thing was just so forgettable. I was like, "This is." It just seemed forced. I don't know. Fair enough. I thought it was cute. <laughs> I'm a sucker for really gays like the in games, though. Yeah, the flashbacks are a, are a good um, point for that. Like, when you're in the museum mm -hmm. with Joel, um, and you get to see like, Yeah, that Ellie's, was my favorite moment. Yeah, and Definitely. you get to see her joy um, at, like, seeing Spacecraft, and, like, see her, like, dreams that, like, she'll never be able to accomplish, but... And I think it's so interesting, you that, that flashback at the museum, it's just, it's, you know, so... It's just so much more calm than what you're going through in the main storyline. And it's almost like, you know, at least for me, it was almost like unfortunate that you had to like leave that flashback and go back to the actual. Well, at actual the same story. time, it's a it's kind of like a happy flashback. But then when you're reaching the end of the museum, you see all the the graffiti in the museum talking about yeah, how the fireflies were liars and 
that it's kind of all it's all for nothing and mm -hmm. yeah like basically no matter where you are in this world like it's always going to be fucked you know no matter like all these like moments of joy you have like they don't go that far because you're always like surrounded by death and like evil yeah although you know i, I don't know when we'd bring this up so i'm just going to talk about it now but i think one of the interesting thing was and i pointed this out I, peter i don't know remember if uh i can't remember if you had picked up on this also but zach you know so they're going to santa cat like you know, Abby and, and Lev, their goal is to go to Santa Catalina Island, which is off the coast of Los right. Angeles. And I think, I don't know if you picked this up, but you, if you noticed, um, after you finish the story, the the home screen is the boat is, is beached on an island and there's a building in the background. I did notice that, actually. I thought it was a yeah. really beautiful touch. Yeah, well, that building is is actually uh, it's it's there's a casino on Santa Catalina Island in the town of Avalon, so I, I thought that was like pretty heavily implied that they you know Abby and Abby makes make it. it make it to Santa Catalina because that's a real building on the actual Santa Catalina Island. I don't think a lot of people picked up on that. The the end of the game is really punishing because Ellie has basically everything taken away from her. She has sacrificed and her fingers. Yeah, her fingers, like literally mm. her fingers. She can't even play the guitar anymore, which is like one of her joys. Like Ellie has sacrificed everything in this meaningless like quest for violence. Um, and we only get to see her like overcome that that anger inside of her at the very end. Uh, and it's not very satisfying, like in terms of a narrative. I mean, it's not rewarding. I think it is satisfying, but it's not like cathartic yeah. or joyful. But I'm glad that we get like a little bit with like a happy getting away at least. Yeah, there's some sense of hope at least. Yeah, I mean, the worst part though is you never know. Like, is she gonna get back with Dina? Like, you have no idea. And you know, I like to think not so. Yeah, I mean, you like to think so, but the fact that you never know that and you might have to wait for a potential third game, which is probably, you know, who knows if that'll ever happen. Yeah, I'd be at the end of the PlayStation 5 now, so we're going to have to wait like six more years if we ever get to play it anymore in this universe. Right, but not knowing that is, uh, that's that's tough. Uh, that's frustrating. Yeah, and I like not knowing because it does kind of like leave you to imagine and, you know, kind of wonder if these acts of violence and revenge are really forgivable. Because honestly, if I was Dean, I would have left that psycho bitch in the dust. Like, the amount of people she killed, it's Ellie. like, keep, yeah, keep that baby away from her. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Dina is pretty cutthroat herself. She did, she, not is shy, she did not shy away from stabbing some WLF members, so. No, she's good. She's a fun character to play as. Yeah, and we do see kind of that, um, we see that Dina is over the violence, like, much faster than Ellie is. Like, she's, like, basically, like, done with it by like the first day in seattle um and when they move back together and try to start a family you can really see like the stress between them that dina wants to move past this and ellie just can't i know and ellie has the they have, they have such a nice little ranch and their tractor and their house and just throws it all away to go kill abby i do i do kind of feel like tommy put a little pressure yeah that was ellie. disappointing when he shows up and at the end and you know, he's like, oh, I got the location of Abby. Like, you gotta go but finish I, the I job. But I can't go. You have to go yeah. for me. Yeah, he definitely exasperated it. Yeah. And we see in every single one of these characters' lives, like, just how much, like, this cycle of violence has ruined them. Like, Tommy and his wife, who we see nothing but his, like, deep love for throughout the first and second game. You know, that's fucked. That's over. You know, Ellie's relationship with Dina is over. That baby is, like, missing out on that parent now. Ugh, that baby's gonna have a horrible life. Yeah, no kidding. Basically everything. I know Jackson is, was looking pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Jackson is. I love that scene in the very beginning when you get to have like the snowball fight with them. 
so cute. So do you think they averted climate change? Like, do you think honestly, the, the yeah, virus started just oh, yeah, in time? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. With all the gas generators that you have to fill up, it seems like they're still relying on fossil fuels. It's gonna do a little bit, yeah. but probably not that much, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, I think one of the other moments that really floored me, just, like, kind of seeing, like, the whole perspective of this world is, like, when you first start playing as Abby and you walk through the wolf camp, because you only see them as an enemy when you're playing as Ellie. When you're playing as Abby and you walk through the whole community and, like, seeing, like, the kindergarten class and seeing all of these people. And the dogs. The dogs, yeah, and, like, just, like, seeing all of that, like, really, like, shook me up, actually. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, seeing that, you know, all in the, the, all, you know, everything they had set up in the stadium was just, it was, you know, kind of interesting because I think, uh, you know, a big theme in the first game was, you know, wondering like how, you know, what's out there beyond these like quarantine zones is actually like, you know, society. And I think that was interesting that, you know, you're made to think that the WLF is this horrible kind of radical militia. Of, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But they, they have overthrew the know, government. But they have one of the most put together like societies outside of these quarantine zones. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it really it outside of the uh, the war. You know, but going on with the seraphites. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all. Everyone they has a war. Everyone has a war. Um, on that note, let's take a quick break, shall we? Okay. Um, we're on break, and you know what, Matt? You're right. I am gonna have a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> back hi we're back we are back we're back uh we were just discussing um some of the moments that kind of like uh, stuck with us the most uh during this game i think like the overall experience is one that is so provocative and intense on the player that um i was always bound to love it because games really aren't known for, like, challenging the player so much. Like, the only other games I think that have kind of, like, interrogated me is, like, uh, Silent Hill 2 and maybe, like, some of the Persona games. And, like, that's it. So I've never really had, like, this extreme of a reaction. And I think it's, like, a big push for, like, narrative gaming, right? Right. Well, I think one of the things, Zach, we talked about earlier was uh, how this is kind of, like, a a unique American game because, you know, you kind of were which, you know, obviously you know more about this than, than I do, but uh, you were talking about how games kind of like with, that are more on rails with these really, you know, dense plots are a lot more common coming out of Japan. But yeah, I think for an American studio, it's not, it's not like a very common kind of genre. To yeah, Naughty Dog is, is kind of the only studio that's kind of pushing out games like that. Yeah, because um, at least in Japan, like they have their like turn-based RPGs and stuff, which are like kind of mm-hmm. like by design, like more linear and like more plot focused. Um, and sometimes it's really good. Like some of them have really good plots, and then some of them have like really generic, like anime, like you know what's gonna happen stories. Um, I've never played a game that surprised me as much as this game has. Definitely. Definitely. Were you spoiled at all going into it? Nope, I avoided all. No, spoilers. yeah, I, I, well, I played it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I. I I hadn't really thought about getting it, honestly, but um, Pete was talking about it so much that so I started it. You're probably about halfway done with it by the time I started it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, Daniel, another one of our friends, uh, 
we both got it day yeah. day one and so we were we were pretty heavily invested at that point yeah, yeah and they weren't playing any call of duty so i had to go get last of us too <laughs> <laughs> and basically like since like high school i like don't play games as much anymore like i just don't have like quite as much time to like dump like 30 hours into like a narrative uh, game you know you played so much persona yeah i was gonna say there there are some exceptions yeah. like i will always play like my stupid jrpgs and stuff but like and you're you have that one mecha Oh, my Gundam game? That mech battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, it was Gundam. Yeah, Gundam versus. Like, I have my feel, and I still play, like, Smash Bros, like, enough. But um, this is, like... Animal Crossing. I totally dumped Animal Crossing. I don't have the time oh, for it. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, same. Yeah, it's, it's a fad. <laughs> it was cute. It's cute. It was cute while it lasted. It was a good quarantine moment, and that's over now. Ugh. <laughs> I hate quarantine moments. Uh, quarantine moments, God. Well, they're going to keep happening for us for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So. Um, and I can kind of see, like, why this game was pushed. I mean, like, there was, like, a lot of, like, work that obviously had to be done with the engineering. But also, like, had this game, like, come out, like, right at the, like, top of, uh, like, quarantine, it would have been really depressing. I mean, it already is depressing, but there's a lot of, like, minor um similarities between the situation in the game and like what we're seeing now like a lot of like, the hopelessness of it all the political radicalism and the quarantine stuff it hits a little too close to home one of the i think i talked to peter about this, or you know i think i might mention this to both of you at one point but one of the the weirdest scenes is when you're you know uh when you're playing as abby and you descend into the hospital which I, we haven't really talked about that yet but that's just oh yeah crazy yeah, the, the rat game. king yeah <laughs> So when you descended into the hospital, I think it was, it's really eerie because, you know, you see all these, um, you know, references to, to the initial you know, outbreak. Yeah. Yeah. To the initial outbreak, which is kind of weird. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of eerie considering like what we're going through right now. And you see all these, you know, just, you know, how they went through their initial outbreak. All these failures yeah. to contain it and all of these, like, like all the notes that you read, that's which was one of my mm -hmm. favorite things about the game. It's just all of the, I guess, the, what the collect artifact, artifacts. Yeah, you find and you, you right. read, and you kind of like pick up little, you know, pieces of what was you know happening. Yeah, th this people. game just has so much rich environmental storytelling. Like at basically every single place you go in, like has like a sense that it's been lived in in the past. It has like a narrative mm -hmm. behind it. Like when you go through different people's houses, you can see like this state in which they were packing. Um, or like how emptied out it is, or there are some places that are totally pristine and have never been touched. And it's like every single location in this game has like its own individual character. Right. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I, I played a lot of it with Kinsey watching it. She's from Washington area. So she would like recognize things and like the, just the attention to detail. Was, <laughs> yeah, I like, remember I remember okay. telling Peter one of the things I was super excited about is the uh, the light rail cars that you see in uh, when you're in the the subway tunnel. Uh -huh. uh, there's actually light rail, and it's the, the they literally got it perfect. It's it's the exact you know cars that the Seattle Link light rail uses. Like they those were like the exact same. They were identical. Yeah, so, I don't know. There's lots of little. I, that's kind of stupid, but there's mm -hmm. lots of little things in this game where they they really like went above and beyond of making the details stand out and so you feel like you're actually in seattle yeah they'll have you break into a record store and there's grunge and punk rock records there and so it's yeah definitely got the atmosphere down i mean like uh, just like beyond like how rich this game is in terms of narrative like the actual design of it is 
some of the best like ever made I think like every level feels I mean it's hard you can't even call it a level but like every sequence basically feels really organic there's multiple ways to proceed through it you never really feel like trapped in by the game design like occasionally there's like some bushes and stuff that you would feel like you can get over but like on the whole this is such a massive step up for games in which like every single thing like feels like very organic and real did you uh prefer playing stealthily or or just all out yeah because this game lets you kind of take a different approach and i found for me what usually happened is that i would approach it with stealth get like halfway through it and then shit would hit the fan (laughs) and i think that's when the game is like shining at its best is when it like catches you off guard and all of a sudden you're like thrust into this really brutal combat and you're like you have no plan you're just like fighting tooth and nail and uh even like i played on normal difficulty it like was really challenging without ever being unfair and was always like really pushing me to make like last minute decisions like it feels very tactical in that way right well, you know and, and that's something you always have the you know i think that the game is interesting because it's always making you think about how much like supplies you have and how much ammo you have like especially when you go into the basement of the hospital and you know as you, you're kind of going in there you know that there's about to be like a boss fight but uh yeah you know i kind of caught me off guard because uh you know, you start fighting this this rat king thing, and you know, I, I didn't think it through very well, so I just didn't have any flamethrower ammo or any ammo that was, you know, any grenades or anything. No so pipe bombs. It, it really, you know, it's almost like you have to go restart the sequence or go, you know, two steps before to really think about mm-hmm. like how much ammo you have. And I think it's it's kind of a unique game in that regard. Yeah, and one of my favorite things about that aspect is that like no matter like what situation you're in, like you can find a way to like scrounge by if you play it smart, you know. Um, and that makes mm-hmm. it like really satisfying in that way. Um, I found like one of my favorite sequences is when you're playing as Ellie. Um, it's before you come across like your friend Jesse from Jackson or whatever. And basically like you're doing it stealthily at first, but then it, when it gets like launched into combat, like you have no idea where you're going, but like you find a way and it's really intense. Like it was like sweating to get through. Well, and, like that scene and the, like in the, the, earlier scene with abby when you're running from the horde there's no real direction for where to go but you kind of naturally navigate the environment and right. it kind of pushes you where in the right direction yeah and, and it pushes you without ever like plus. making it obvious that it's pushing you which i think is like the most mm-hmm. ingenious part of this game design you know one one part of the game that i really don't think we've talked about at all is uh the part it's it's part of the abby sequence where you're going up into the skyscrapers and oh yeah and yeah uh, you're yeah, that the vertigo. Was, the vertigo is intense because you know, like <laughs> heights is like one of my worst like you know fears, I guess. So in that that sequence of the game when you're going across the crane and you know you're like sixty, eighty stories up in those buildings, like that was just like an like my my hands were sweaty. It was it was horrible. But that's it's a it's a game that really like pulls you in like that. Yeah, and I'm not you know? scared of heights at all. But this game like <clears throat> this game was so good at like demonstrating abby's fear of heights for me that like i felt it anyway uh, because like the way that the graphics like show the distance and like show abby's reaction to it that it was really frightening it's like one of the most like intense parts of the game is like when you're up on that like bridge and you have to crawl through it right yeah i think another thing the game excelled at was when you're interacting with the the non-playable characters and they're like the dog their dog gets the dog handler's dog gets killed and he like screams out like bruce and you're just like oh god like i just i just killed this man's like I'm sorry companion. bruce I'm sorry and, bruce like, 
Yeah. Yeah. One of the, yeah, this so game's he... like controversial features is that it has um basically every NPC who you brutally slaughter throughout like it has a name and uh, characters react to their deaths in a variety of ways. I never saw the same animation or reaction twice. Um, I've seen. Uh, characters beg me to kill them after I've shot them through the stomach. I've seen characters like, uh, like beg for mercy or like just do anything they can to get away. Um, I've seen characters like flip the fuck out when one of their friends gets killed and just like start screaming nonstop. Yeah. It's disturbing. I do think that one thing they could have added a little variation to was the stealth, like knockdowns and kills. It got kind of repetitive, like slicing the jugular and hearing them like gurgle as they die and yeah a lot of um i i think my my one problem with this game and this is basically like a 10 out of 10 for me but like one of the things that i did notice is that like you do have to do so much violence in this game um even while it's a kind of like decrying violence um and most of the time it really works to like disgust you with it and like make you not want to do it but there are so many sequences where you have no choice but to, you know, go poke someone in the neck with a knife, go and get the next one. And it, it can get a little repetitive sometimes. Yeah, like, you know, when, you, uh, when you're playing as Ellie and you, uh, ha- you know, you can do the stealth kill. I always thought it was bizarre that she, you know, grabs him behind the neck and she's like, shut up, shut up. And then she stabs him in the neck and it's just like, what are you telling? Them? It's like she's, it's like she's putting, you know, oh, maybe telling them like, oh, if I shut up, maybe she won't kill me. But then she just, you know stabs him in the neck and I'm just, I'm i kind of almost think it's her uh her guilt coming out when she's making yeah, like those she's decisions it. yeah she's coming up with a reason yeah because she'll be like it. dick like after she kills yeah. someone there's like a lot of moments um where they really like nail the disgust with violence like when you have to torture that one character and your only option it's, it's like Nora, yeah that's right it's in the the red hallway um and your only option is to press... Oh, the lighting is so beautiful. So beautiful. That, you had to press scene. square to fucking bludgeon this bitch. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there with, you like, torture the, her. with the controller in my hand for like 20 seconds. I was like, oh, I don't want to press square. No. And then you have to keep yeah. pressing it. You just got to keep going for it. It's uh, it's grisly. It's, like making, it's almost like the game is like making you like it, you're, you're yeah. complicit in the violence. Even though yeah, you're not it reminded me of a... There's a scene in, I don't know if either of you have played the God of War series, but in God of War 3, when you when you kill Zeus at the very end, it doesn't stop until you stop pressing the buttons. So it's kind of like a test on the character or the, the player themselves of like, when are, when are you actually going to stop this? I think this is a good segue into something that needs to be addressed, which is the controversy surrounding this game. Um, I think yes. that there are are a variety of reasons why people are very furious about this. And I think most of them are stupid, <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. um, this is like we, I said earlier, this is one of the few games that does not let you like idly earn its pleasure. Like you have to suffer and you have to like be taxed and you have to kind of suffer the consequences, um, as a player in order to proceed and to get like the satisfactory moments from it. And I think that always pisses gamers off because the medium is you know designed for entertainment and so when studios are using the medium to uh, make like a broader yeah make a broader thematic statement and like one that kind of implicates the player like why do you find this violence satisfying like when they have to uh grapple with that question it kind of pisses them off i think there's also lots of faux outrage about from xenophobic people and yeah homophobic people and 
because this game has gay characters, it has trans characters, um, and I never thought there's a lot of resistance, um, like on the right of any story that has these characters in them because they feel like it's being politically stuffed down their throats. Forced representation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do understand, like, the argument that, like, sometimes, not for this game, but, like, generally speaking, like, people don't want, like, gay or black characters just to, like, earn, like, woke points. But this game, like, really gives every single... It doesn't do that. No, every single one of its underrepresented characters here is, like, really given, like, a lot of Mm -hmm. humanity outside of their sexual orientation or their gender identity. Um, Well, and I think it's weird that they say that, like, you know, uh, you know, obviously Ellie's gay and there's a lot of people who say it was, like, forced on you, but, like... It was very clearly like built up in the first game, especially through the. I think it was a DLC. It was the DLC left behind yeah. career in the mall, yeah. And you know, it's like it wasn't something that just came out of nowhere. Not that that would be an issue anyway, but you know, it was really built up through the first game in the DLC. So one is it was. If I also felt like a lot of the the outrage was coming from people who didn't actually play the game or, or only read the spoilers they yeah they read that they were supposed to be outraged by it so they decided to be outraged because there's there are people claiming that that abby was the trans character even though she's she's not she's simply not <laughs> she's simply <Yeah. laughs> <is> not <laughs> she's just buff like it's it, or there's and, that yeah i remember there was a lot of people who were on the what was it that uh the sex scene on the boat and people were like that's the evidence you know yeah they thought she's that was uh huh yeah they thought that was, what oh people thought, yeah i didn't hear about this. oh you didn't hear this yeah they thought that it was uh that the sex scene proved that she was trans because it was clear that they were having anal sex and not what yeah. oh my god these people are fucking Even broken in the sense. brain these people are like were like for people who like allegedly hate this game they, they really like spent a lot of effort like pouring over every last detail in I order to cancel that it scene 12 times and i'm certain <laughs> well yeah and then also there were like people looking up like abby's workout routine like from a like a stray note on a wall in order to like prove that she can't possibly be as fit as she is despite them showing us there being a weight training center they're getting plenty of protein in the society like mm-hmm. clearly she could and her job is to literally defend and like, like her job is made of like, yeah of course she's ripped yeah and i mean also like she's like the top killer of like this religious cult like of course she's gonna be like the the physical specimen you know like it's not everyone and like all women it's her yeah i mean especially in the flashback uh, that abby flashback like it's like you know she wasn't buff in that flashback like it was like her going yeah. and being a part of the double wlf and like maturing and her you know like, coming of age you know, yeah she like, progressively gets her right. own her muscles yeah and I, I think it's just so people were really hateful towards Abby because she kills a beloved character. You know, she kills Joel in the first who from the first game who you play as. Uh, and then he is like butchered very quickly in this game. And so people didn't want Brutally. to empathize with her. But the whole point of the game is that you learn to empathize with her because, of course, you can be angry with her at first. You know, of course, you can be like not you cannot get in everything. But the whole second act of the game is like asking you to like learn to empathize with her so even if you couldn't naturally do that on your own it gives you so much room to get there you know what i mean yeah and i feel like it it also shows that like every death or every person that you killed in in the last of us one as joel or ellie like 
someone was probably feeling a, a visceral reaction where they wanted to get revenge as well. Like this is happening all the time throughout this this post-apocalyptic world and it like ellie had to to find out that that was not the answer to to continue that cycle you know more like generally i think it's interesting i don't think i've ever played a game where you play as both like you know both the villain yeah the antagonist and the protagonist yeah right Mm -hmm. and i think it was really interesting in that you know as you start to i really had this mindset going into the, the the abbey half of the game like oh no i'm like 100 percent i'm 100 percent like abby sucks like no way but then you know as you play through her character and you more learn more about her personally and you know she's like humanized you really start to yeah her dad was gonna cure humanity yeah and like joel's kind of a dick you know (laughs) kind of crazy it's just i've never had a game that really does that to you that makes you second guess you know guess everything that at the end of the first game, after you all killed the doctor, did you think that Joel made the right decision? Mm, I didn't. I, I don't know think, if there was a right decision. I agree. I think I understood his decision. Yeah. yeah. I think the game was, is asking doesn't you. doesn't mean it's the right decision. I think the game is asking you to understand his decision, not to agree or disagree with it. And I think that's something that a lot of, like, gamers, like, missed, like, going into this. Like, I think you're supposed to realize that, like, he made that choice because he's a human with complicated emotions, you know? And not because there's a right or wrong answer. And so, of course, there could be consequences from it. And I think, like, that fundamental gap has, like, led a lot of people to be really aggressive against this game. And I think, you know, it's, uh, I guess you never really blame him for doing what he did. You know, I can't say Mm -hmm. that. I think most people could understand doing what he did. And it's kind of hard to say otherwise. But, yeah. Yeah, like, I can empathize and understand, and, of course, I'm not a father. Like, I would never be I, in that situation, but if I were, yeah. like, uh, I don't know what I would do, so. it's. I think it's kind of interesting that the people that completely understand and support Joel's decision to, to, to kill all those hospital workers are outraged by Abby's decision to kill Joel in, like, revenge. Like, it should, like they're okay with one atrocity, but not... To, yeah. yeah, it just shows, like, a fundamental misunderstanding of how narrative should work right i mean and from the the point of view of the fireflies it's just like oh like all we had to do is kill this girl just like take out a piece of her brain and like everything would have been golden from here on out and like here comes this crazy guy literally killing all of our doctors like yeah no wonder they're pissed like and i i don't think the the fireflies are necessarily free of blame either i I get that they wanted to, to capitalize on their situation but the right thing would have been to ask ellie like if she was if she was willing to do this, yeah, this all could have been avoided if they had just simply <laughs> asked her and been like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And then she would have said yes, and then this would all be done. But she, yeah, she says that she does, and and the Last of Us too. Yeah. she would have, she would have said yes. But of course, that's not as exciting of a narrative. Yeah, so. of course. Who know, and who knows if that's actually if she actually would have said yes? Maybe she thinks she should have would have said yes. What if Joel was just actually anti-vax? That's it. Joel's anti-vax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, that is one of the main reasons that people are so fucking mad about this game. And I saw a similar reaction with um, The Last Jedi. Because The Last Jedi, when that came out, also kind of challenged Star Wars fans. And they tried to make them ask, like, mm-hmm. is Luke such a hero? Like, is the Force, like, such a productive thing? Um, and because it makes you ask that question, people want to resist it because it's upsetting the idea they have of the story in their head already. I just, and it's funny though, because people, 
like with Game of Thrones, for instance, like they all thought like, oh, the Red Wedding is so dope. Like all these characters get brutalized and killed that you weren't expecting to. It subverts your expectations. It's not amazing. But like, why is it not the case when Joel gets killed here? And I kind of think that the reason is that people are underlyingly upset that they have to like be challenged I by think a they game. Just Joel. I'm like, why? Too. I like Ellie more anyway. Like, Joel is just kind of... Oh, yeah, that was the best part of the first game. Yeah. I think it inter- another point is, like, there's so few characters in this game, right? Like, you know, and I, I, I never really watched uh, Game of Thrones, but obviously there's there's a lot more, you know, main characters in Game of Thrones. And so I think, like, when, you know, really the only two characters are Ellie and Joel, and then they kill one of them, like, you know, it's kind of like, well, what's left? Like, you're just gonna leave us with Ellie? Like, alright, like, not that Ellie's a bad character, but they gave us something better. They gave us it almost happy. like it almost like you know it's like Joel's dead, and it's just like what am I playing for? Like you know what could possibly like Joel's dead? Who cares? Like just go back to Jackson, call it a day. Yeah, and it's funny if people are so upset about Joel's death, and you would think they would really buy into the Abby or sorry to the Ellie revenge narrative, and like that would be really conducive mm-hmm. to like the overall like plot of the game. But I guess not. Like they just want to be mad. They don't want to play it. So okay, gamers. Okay, gamers, deprive yourself of this excellent gaming experience. They'll just keep playing Fortnite and and Call of Duty and still be satisfied, though. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so many games that they can play that I guess, like, this doesn't have to be for them. Like, um, you know, games have a tricky position in, like, media because, you know, like I said earlier, they are primarily designed for entertainment, but, like, as the medium gets more advanced and these larger stories can be told, and now we can have, like games with narrative and theme and character as like we push towards that like some aspects of like the pure entertainment value have to be kind of pushed against as well and i think that gamers have a really intense relationship with games because it's like something they really base their identity around so i can see why people are getting like stressed about like some of these moves but this is also a triple a game that was like in development for half a decade made for so much money like not every game is going to be like this like there's always going to be like dumb shooters yeah i think it's the best i think it was was the third best selling uh game i think in the united states for playstation 4 yeah i mean the game's ahead i think i think red dead has the uh has the record still it's just like weird how you'll always remember this game it's not necessarily because of like you know the game itself but it's just like oh like that was one of my many sequences of quarantine like the month that i played the last of us like that was right after Mm -hmm. the tiger documentary oh god (laughs) i hate the way quarantine is just like making me like divide my life into these awful eras it's in these like sections like uh, i had the tiger documentary and then i had when i rewatched uh breaking bad and then i had the last of us and then the nba bubble so I guess back to The Last of Us. Do you think there's going to be a third one? Uh, I don't really need a third one, so I'm not that invested. But I would completely go back to this game for sure. I want them to come out with their multiplayer for it. Because I think I think I could, could, could get into that. But the multiplayer for the first one is so fun. So Yeah, it was really fun. It was just a little too... It didn't have the... It wasn't forgiving for beginning players no i don't think i ever played the multiplayer oh it's actually pretty good i played it quite a few times it's still active i think yeah it is Uh, really yeah yeah it's interesting yeah well i don't know i'm definitely gonna get it because it's coming out as a dlc right it's uh, i think it's not confirmed but they're probably gonna do it like that i think i think they uh they pretty much all confirmed that a multiplayer is coming 
So. Yeah, they had to really crunch to get this game done, so I don't blame them for not releasing it on time with the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah uh, they they made a fantastic game, so I'll, <laughs> I'll let that slide. Yeah, so I guess overall my thoughts are is that The Last of Us Part Two is the most challenging like narrative game I've ever played. Beautifully designed and extremely intense on the soul, which means it's uh, a great experience. Highly recommended. Definitely. I don't think Absolutely. I've ever, you know, it's one of those games where, or I guess it's it's more like, I, I guess I get this experience more from movies where, you know, you finish it and you just, that's all you can think about for a week or more. Yeah, that, I mean, that's my favorite kind of media, oh, yeah. you know, like uh, yeah. with Irreversible and Climax, which you were just mentioning, like those give, they are so emotionally intense, they can like physically sicken you. And I got that sensation out of The Last of Us several times, which has never happened Definitely. to me in a video game before. Yeah, and it's like you want to know more about the world and, you know, these characters, mm-hmm. and there's just no outlet, to, you know. Well, there's going to be an uh, HBO series. Oh, huh. I didn't know that. I don't know if I need that, because um, I think, like, the best yeah, part of... kind of like Walking Dead. Yeah, the best part of the part two, of part two is that, like, the, I think this narrative, like, only is successful as a video game because it forces you to like manually enact the violence yourself and if you're just like watching someone else do it i'm not really sure it would have the same effect do you know what i mean yeah. i think like yeah this game is so challenging and important is because uh games that have such a long history of violence in them and like rely on violence to like work at all like as a video game it's pushing back against it you know what i mean Definitely. Yeah. And i also feel like they probably have to create a completely original cast of characters and setting for it because if they if they tried to just make a a one for one remake of it, one of the games into a season it would probably inevitably upset the fans yeah and there's no Definitely. way that they could ever get like the scale of the like the design and the world building like onto a tv screen like the sheer beauty and like gorgeous design of this like falling apart world cannot be like recreated on a cheap tv budget it looks better on a in a video game than in, with cgi exactly in a movie. i mean even with a game of thrones which is a huge budget has it's like cheap cgi moment so when was the last time a video game was made into like a tv was that, was that resident evil the last video game that was turned into they never did tv yeah. for it um i guess they they did, i guess they made movies they made movies i guess like the last movie the witcher they did oh, oh the witcher is yeah and then they did um Something kind. I guess they did a Detective Pikachu, and like <laughs> yeah. I did not see that shit. I'm not Tomb Raider that. movie. Oh yeah, Tomb Raider. Um, the Uncharted game has been in limbo for like a decade. I don't know. See, I just don't know why they need movies of these things. Like, I just, I don't, just play the they fucking don't. game. Yeah. Just play the fucking game. Who needs it? It's right up there with why are they making a live action remake of Avatar: The Last Airbender? Oh it's my god, so not, unnecessary. Definitely not needed. Yeah, I know, but but Korra is on Netflix now. So it is. I'm, I'm starting. I think it came on today. I don't watch any of that shit. What? I don't like it. It, it looks no, cheap to me. No, that's a lie. No, no I don't. I don't like it. Avatar Stop. does. Yeah, Avatar and Korra no, are not I th- for me. You like Avatar? I've seen it. Avatar I don't care for it. 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 I don't like the tone. No. That's a lie. I'm is it, too, is it too kiddish? It is a little too kiddish for me. No, it's okay. Well, after the first season, it, it's definitely not. It, Anyway, that's I guess that's a that's a discussion for a different uh, different time. Okay, well we'll save Avatar and Irreversible <laughs> for next time. Two very compatible <laughs> media entries. <laughs> the double feature. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us. 
じゃあまたね。